Hello, this is Michelle Weston, host of Wellness Learning Curves 2.0. Welcome to Radio 360, talk radio for women, empowering women all over the world. Today, I have another guest, which is always my favorite way to spend my interview time, to bring you really interesting people who have chronic conditions, sometimes one, sometimes many. And, you know, having a chronic condition is always colorful, and um, this person that you're going to meet is very colorful, and I know her very, very well. And I thought about if I wanted to interview her and bring you this woman, because she's been through a journey I hope none of us have to go through, but she's done it with grace, and she's done it with care, and she's done it with a lot of homework to find out what she can do for herself and what she is not able to do anymore, and fill in the gaps. And uh, she actually has a wedding coming up in Labor Day weekend of her youngest daughter. So it's been a busy time. But even through that, and I'm sure most of you know, women are always, always busy, you know, flipping balls and uh, juggling all the time. She is handling that and work and her life and her dog and all of those things at the same time. And her name is Amy Weinstock. Now, you wouldn't know that my name originally was Weinstock. This is my sister. Now, she'll hate that I say my younger sister, but I only have one sister. So this is my sister. And she's been through a lot. And I wish it was easier for her, but I do use her as a guiding light. And I use her as an example of really handling a lot of things thrown at her, not just in life. I mean, we all have children and we have marriage and we have jobs and so forth. But when health issues come up and they keep layering themselves on each other, we keep going, what the heck? And I'm not using the other word. What the heck is my word for today? So she lives in Michigan. And um, I grew up there in Detroit area, in the suburbs of Detroit, and she's been uh, battling some stuff. And I wanted her to talk about some of the things that she's come across and ways to handle things and also a big journey to the Mayo Clinic to put it all together. And that doesn't mean she's still not putting it together, but the Mayo Clinic, which if you ever have an opportunity to do oh. something like that, right? Right? So. <laughs> the Mayo Clinic or the Cleveland Not Clinic. in the winter like I did. Just <laughs> not going. And she went there um, to Minneapolis. So Minneapolis, as anyone who's in that area knows, it's very cold. I used to work up there, so I know how cold it is. Um, but she was able to put things together. And Amy, where did it start? What what started? Because well, she was always busy. Both of us are very, very busy energizer bunnies, like our yeah, mom. Our and minds run at a at a pace that's not normal. Well, um, we're, we're always two blocks ahead. Right, exactly. You know, the, they say that it began, um, you know, many of the doctors say that it began when I had um, Graves disease, which is a specific type of thyroid disease where your thyroid becomes completely overactive. Um, it, it starts to race. And I was in college at the time. I was a freshman at Michigan State University in Lansing. And I all sorts of things were happening. I would walk around campus in the dead of winter with no coat on. I would get frostbite, go to, go to the university hospital, and they'd be like, oh, it's frostbite. No one ever, no one ever looked at all the symptoms. They looked at one symptom. They didn't look at my racing heart. So if they looked at my racing heart, it might have led them to do a blood test to check for thyroid issues. But they didn't. Um, and when you're in college,
college and you're up all night because your heart is pounding, um, anyone will tell you that the best place for you is to sit downstairs in the lobby and call for a pizza or two, possibly, maybe, you know. So because I wasn't getting thinner, I was getting heavier. That didn't make sense to them. Okay, wait, let me stop. Let me stop. My sister was in gymnastics. She's petite. She has a great figure. And she always was just this little petite package and really um, always looked fabulous. We sort of switched bodies, but not on purpose. We we, We Not on purpose. We really didn't. Not on purpose. You know, when you're up all night and then there's no one around, um, and I was a terrible student, horrible student. Unfortunately. uh, Well, you know, things happen. But, you know, the funny part about it is, is that I had been to the hospital four or five times because I had frostbite on my hands, my feet, and nobody ever checked for thyroid disease. And one morning um, I woke up and our father, who was a physician, um, I woke up and I had a goiter on my neck, huge, this big. And I walked in the bathroom and I saw it and I was like, oh my God. The first thing I thought was like, I have cancer or I'm going to, you know, who knows? So I called my father. And in that day and age, we didn't have, you know, FaceTime. Didn't yeah, exist. We, and we didn't have cell phones. Well, we, well yeah, there were phones, but we didn't. Yeah, we didn't they're flip top. They're flip top. Yeah. 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 You had them in your car in a bag. Yeah. But when I called him and I told him what it is, he was standing next to my mother and he said, exactly. I will quote him. Damn it. It's her thyroid. He knew exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. The two of them had me on a bus within three, four hours and I was home and I was at the doctor's. Then I went from my internist to a specialist to an endocrinologist. And within two weeks, I was already on medication for my heart. And then I had radioactive iodine therapy, which removes, literally melts away your thyroid gland because it it knows somehow, and I still will never understand it. It knows to go to your thyroid gland and kill it. And it does, it kills it. And that was the beginning really. Um, after that, the next year, that was my sophomore year, I had mono. Um, and I also had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I knew I had many years before. And so did my OBGYN. Um, I never had regular periods. I had trouble conceiving. Um, and way before that, when I was 10 years old, I had um, a car accident. Then no, I went face I first. had a car accident. Right. My sister had a car accident and I went face first into the dashboard. Okay. At let me explain. Time, let me explain. So yeah. I was 16 and she was 10. And what happened was in Michigan, we call it black ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, they call it all over the world, but they call we ice call it black ice. And it was winter and we had seen the movie Romeo and Juliet, which was lovely. And coming back into the neighborhood, um, I hit a patch of ice and I made a choice whether I was going to hit the red truck, red pickup truck right. or flip into the ditch. Right. And I chose the red pickup truck. Right. But unfortunately, my sister had not had her seatbelt on. And right. I asked and him I many times. Down, right? yes. I was laying down face first, going face first into the dash. Into the and dashboard. Time, right. And when it was scary, time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was, they, they had already given her like a shot of scotch to quiet her down. No, and I was because you lift up your sister at 16 yeah. and you, you know, we drive there at 15. So we get a license and you lift up and your sister's face is all bloody and you right. were responsible for her. So much. Yeah. And you right. were responsible for her. And yeah. because we had a doctor who was a surgeon, a father who was a surgeon, yeah. he'd always says, do not let them touch her touch. face. Do not like 
sit on, like yeah, do whatever you have to do, right. just plastic and surgeons. I, and understand people that, that at that time, the hospital that I went to, which now is a fully developed 300 bed hospital at that time was like a trailer <laughs> and it didn't have, it really was, it was a trailer. It didn't have an MRI machine. It didn't have a CT machine. It didn't have any of it. So my sister just like, was like guarding me and seriously, a closed head injury such as that, where at the time, and this was 1977, they didn't, they didn't do a CT or an MRI. They did x-rays of my nose and they had a plastic surgeon come and look at me, a friend of my dad's. Mm, not till a while, but we yes. Went, right. And we, we were going away 10 days later. And so we did, we went away. We were going to Israel at the time. For and, our brother's bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. And I stayed at home for 10 days basically. And um, even then when I got on the plane, I was, I was bruised down my neck. I was, it was a lot of bruising. But the question always is, does that closed head injury, is it the catalyst for everything or is it just an addition to? You don't know. You have no way of knowing. So you could go all the way back to that to wonder. And as my sister Michelle will tell you, there was also a question of the use of Roundup on the golf course by our house, which backed up to our house down the street, literally six houses away. Down and, and, well, and, and it behind was our school. behind and our we, elementary school, yeah. unfortunately. And, and they so had built this a, great golf course, a public golf course. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how do you make grass greener? Well, you use Roundup. And yeah. um, why we're yeah. mentioning that also is my sister has um, fibromyalgia. I have MS. And our mother developed late in life myasthenia gravis. And as the years go on, and you still are connected to people, especially because of Facebook, right. you find out how many of us had right. and have neurological right. conditions. So right. Roundup is still that big question mark. Yes, you, mm -hmm. you guys know it because of the stories of what happened on the West Coast with right. cancer and Roundup. Right. But lots There's of other things. side effects. Right. Yes. There's other side effects. And so when the doctors look at my scenario, what happens is as the years go by, um, I had to go through in vitro to have my second child. Um, I developed insulin resistance, which is completely typical of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and as the years continued to go by, I started having like osteo osteoporosis kind of things. I had back surgery. I had shoulder surgery. Um, you know, I've had multiple things I've had. I have a sleep disorder um, and not sleep apnea, sleep hypopnea, which means that you gently wake yourself out of your sleep multiple times during the night. So you don't stay in REM. So you don't get enough sleep. And as the years would go by, even when I got married and had kids and all of these things started to come up. And then at some point um, I was working for a woman who I'd worked for many years and I knew her very well and she knew me very well. And I said to her, will you come to my psychopharmacologist with me? Because I know that there's something going on and I can't describe it. And she said, absolutely. Which was so generous and so kind of her to come with me and to explain to this woman who's known me now for, you know, like 10 years, this is not the same Amy that I met in the beginning. She's not accurate to a fall. She's not. Which she fast. always was, by the way. Not, you know, this yeah. is, this is a person who is great with numbers also. She, yeah. Amy, yeah. Amy, just to clarify, when she was at Michigan State, um, fortunately, yeah, our mom was great at papers and she helped Amy with getting through college. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. I would and, do it. Yeah. And also facts. Remember that, guys? <laughs> um, she also um, went through uh, retail mer- merchandising and mm-hmm. how to manage a store. And she was super duper at that. She, did you work at Thank Annie you. Says? I worked I worked at um, I worked at Hit or Miss. Okay. And I worked at um, another store at the mall that was owned by two individuals from Michigan. And um, and I worked and when I left college, I stayed with Hit or Miss and moved to, with them. And then I worked for the Gap then and I work for the Gap now. Um, so it's very interesting how like on the either side is retail and in the middle was the title insurance, which was a very number centered logical job, which typically someone with fibromyalgia who has the issues that I've had, as my sister heard a minute ago, I was trying to find the word waffle. I couldn't <laughs> find it for five minutes, but I'm looking for the word. Like, where's the word waffle? Yes. I always say it's like a Rolodex, right, Amy? Yeah. It's like a Rolodex. Yeah. You're looking for it's the it. word like, on the Rolodex. I know it's I know. And this is what people don't understand about fibromyalgia as it is an invisible illness. It it touches you in ways that you can't imagine. And that's a lot of the reason I went to Mayo. Mayo has a specific program for people with fibromyalgia and it talks to how to manage your life when you have fibromyalgia. It's a four day program that you go to. It's unbelievable. It's incredible because they say to you, you know, you have to get up and you have to stretch and you have to um, you know, watch what you're eating and you have to make sure you take breaks and you have to, and it talks to all of the things that affect fibromyalgia. And we talk about the things that all of us in the room might have, but there's a, a ton more. And, you know, for me, I have three or four stomach ailments. I have gastroparesis, which is normally associated with, um, with diabetes. Really? So See, yeah, I'm learning things, guys. That is actually what it's associated with. And what happens is your stomach, instead of pumping like this, it slows down. So like unlike that. a heart beating, it's yeah, sort of it just sort down. of. And so what happens is you don't digest your food fully and it doesn't empty. So I had a surgery. It's very advanced. It's a very new surgery called G poem. And what they do is they go in and they open up your pylorus, which is where your stomach empties into your um, intestines and they open it. Sometimes they do it with a uh, clip or staples or by hand. He actually did mine by hand. So mine by hand. And it helps your stomach to empty. So that your food can digest and therefore you can get more nutrition. And there's lots of foods that they'll tell you you can't eat with gastroparesis because you can't eat things that are hard to digest. And then for me, I also developed what they call colonic inertia, which is where your colon fails. So you can't, people go, well, eat more fiber. No, never eat fiber. Because when you don't have a colon to digest fiber, it's not possible for you to digest that. And it won't go through you. And then if you have IBS like I have, then you understand. So I take three different medicines for my stomach. I also have GERD and I also have, you know, some other issues. So I have what they call, they put it all together and they call it digestive system failure. And basically what they're saying is her whole digestive system doesn't work. And so I, I bloat up and I look like I'm, people ask me all the time if I'm pregnant. Um, That's because people don't think. Because people don't think, but I can understand why they would say it because it's what I look like. I'm so distended. She just looks like she's pregnant. And so people will sort of think that she's overeating now. And no, she's not. It's just that her body, in order to make room to handle things, distends. And yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the time that I went to, uh, I went to Botsford Hospital. I was very distended. I was worried that I actually had a blockage. Usually I don't. And I went there and the guy at the desk said, can I get you a A wheelchair, ma'am? You look like, you know, you might be- You're going to deliver. (laughs) 
You look like I was going to do it. And I said, no, sweetheart. I said, I'm not pregnant. I said, I have digestive system failure. They did a CAT scan on me to see what was going on. Um, my potassium was very low. Um, and, you know, they were trying to figure out. And the doctor looked at me like, as though, like, he was like, hmm. And then when I go around to everything else that's involved, he looked at me and he was like, that's a lot of stuff going on. I said, yep, welcome to my world. And, you know, people don't realize with an invisible illness, like the fact that I'm tired a lot. Um, like the fact that I might say I'm going to do something and then I have to call you and cancel because I literally like can't get out yeah. of bed. Yep. I'm, I'm planning on having um, a n- my second back surgery after my daughter's wedding. And um, I knew that this would happen. And I could tell you that I could feel it. And as many injections and they've, as they've given me, as many things, it doesn't stop the pain. And that's what people also don't understand. Invisible illnesses come with pain. They come with joint pain. They come with back pain. They come with neck pain. They come with knee pain. They come with foot pain. People who have um, fibromyalgia get neuropathy, um, not always because of diabetes, but just because of their- Because the nervous system isn't getting messages to the farthest thing from the heart. And so what's happening is, and unfortunately, both Amy and I developed our mom's side of the family, um, Raynaud's syndrome. And that means that circulation, we have circulation. People are amazed by the color of my fingers because they are so- white and so hard to become white and hard. And then in Michigan, you know, I mean, it just isn't warm here during the winter. I mean, it's getting better now that we have, you know, the climate whole, change. yeah, the whole climate change. But, but what happens is I just come home and you can't put them under warm water. You have to put them under like cold tepid water and people look at me, but they don't want to put another medicine on my list. So they're like, oh, you can live with that. And you're like, really? Because you're not me and you're not living it. And let me tell you, when you have to wear gloves in the grocery store and people are looking at you like, you know, you still have your gloves on lady. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm aware of it because there's so many things. And if you look at a map of fibromyalgia, there's a million of them out there. It'll show you all the different things that can happen. And, and we don't get everything. No, neurological you get certain items. symptoms, certain right. symptoms people certain, have. You can see by my hair that I'm not losing my hair. But they but can't see your hair because it's gorgeous. Hair. Yeah. People <laughs> lose their hair. People do what I do where they have, there's so many different like side effects, I call them, of having fibromyalgia because, and you don't know what you're going to get. And every doctor you go to, I go to a specialist downtown at a hospital that's um, one of the best hospitals nationwide for trauma. And here in Detroit, when a cop gets shot, um, that's where he goes. Because at Harper, you get the best, the best, the best, because it's designed to be a trauma hospital. It's, It's nothing else. I go there to an endocrinologist who not only treats my thyroid, but treats my type two diabetes slash insulin resistance, which now has to be medicated because when my blood sugar goes down 60 and up to 300, at that point, you have to treat it like diabetes. And we found out recently, um, someone else in our family has that issue as well. And we have a great grandmother who lost part of her feet because of diabetes, which was why- And hands, and hands. Our dad, oh, and hands, right. Which was yeah. why our dad got into surgery because he found it fascinating. And he was the only one who would change her bandages. So he was the person. So- understand there's a lot of history in our family with it. Um, all three of us take medication for um, for cholesterol and triglycerides because, at, you know, our bodies manufacture it, you know, they may, and until you get to be very thin, can you honestly put yourself into a, a category where that goes away? It doesn't go away on its own because like our father, it produces it. And so you look at it and you go, why does fibro have so many random, they don't know. They have no, they have 
no clue. I've been to U of M. I've been to Mayo. I thought of going to Cleveland Clinic, honestly. Thought about it. Um, but I always want her know, to come here, guys, to, right, you know, because I live in the center answer. of the world. So, yeah. right. It's the same answer. The answer is we don't know. What we do is we pick out the things that we can try to control. We try to control them. And then we hope that you'll do. But the one thing from Mayo that I have to say, well, there were a couple things, but one thing is they gave you a calendar to plan out your day. Great. And to always put stretch in the morning and to always put your meals in and to always put snacks in and to always put, um, you know, if you work, if you work part time, you know, a lot of us there are on disability. We only work part time, you know, because you were going to only earn a certain amount of money. So it was interesting. And I also found it was interesting that like they um, not only did they give you this calendar, but I found it interesting that they made such a point of stretching and exercise exercising and because it's try to keep what's good good and whatever's going to get bad there's really not a lot you can do it just, there just isn't i mean everybody knows that and that's the hardest thing and i think the thing about mayo is is that they 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 give you a really accurate picture they also give you a lot of tools like they give you yoga you know cd's and you know workout cd's and tai chi and all that kind of which i think is what people don't realize is that the goal is to stay healthy yeah that's yep. like the goal yeah because you don't know what it's going to do. No. So you kind of just like this morning, I told my sister I went to get my nails done and I was literally n- nodding off at the table like this. And my friend, my friend who I've known for many, many years, as long as I've had my children, um, she looked at me, she goes, what is with you today? She goes, you're exhausted. I said, I, I can only tell you that I would look at my aura ring that I wear that tells me if my, you know, blood pressure went down and I got into REM sleep. Because honestly, who sleeps anymore? Like I'm in my fifties. I don't sleep anymore. Anymore. I mean, it's like a joke. You got to sleep, though. You got to sleep. And you got to sleep and you got to figure out how to tell. So, Amy, tell them who suggested the aura, A U R A ring. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, the head of pulmonology, his name is Dr. Batter. He's his daughters and my daughters dance together. And he and I used to stand at the back of the the auditorium and we would chat, he and I, which my sister will tell you, I I always chat with strangers. Well, we we all do. We all do. Yes. Yes. We so like to meet people. <laughs> and he said to me, can I do a sleep test on you? I said, because you're the perfect person. I said, you have all the disorders I want. And it's great. And the first sleep test I ever had, I woke myself 60 times in a night, 60, six zero. And they said that I had what they call sleep hypopnea, which means you really never get into REM sleep. So you never get that sound sleep that's refreshing. All you do is sort of shallow sleep. And he was the one who told me to get the aura ring over a year and a half ago. Okay. And he told me that it would be FDA approved. It's it's in the process of being FDA. And what's fascinating about it, and he always calls me to see like what it's saying, is it shows you if your blood pressure goes down. It shows you how long you were in REM sleep. Interesting. It, 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 it's very and every year it gets like better because it shows you things. It also track um it also tracks activity. So as he said, he goes, it's trying to encompass a lot of things now. Um, and so you know, funny, I was at a restaurant last night and my waitress was wearing one. And she goes, is that an aura ring? I said, yes, it 
is. And I said, she goes, well, I wear mine like this. I said, do you see the little bumps inside? They need to be underneath where they can feel your pulse. And she was like, oh, I didn't know that. I said, yeah. So, you know, you learn things and you find things out because, because first of all, you want your life to be better. I mean, you really do. Like I told my sister on the way home, I was like petrified of driving home because I was so, so tired. All I wanted to do was take a nap. And it's interesting because that level of tiredness, I was once on the expressway and I literally almost drove under a truck. And when I woke up, I was- in And she place. scares us with all of this. So yeah. understand. But that's I Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's why. Exactly. And I said, you know what? We need to figure this out. It yeah. wasn't, you know, my girls would say, mom, it's green, mom, it's green. And I think my oldest probably could have driven. I mean, she's a genius. But, you know, I kind of laugh because we look for answers anywhere we can find them. And sometimes like, I, sometimes I'll meet people who will say to me, what do you have like a hundred doctors? I go, no, only 50. And you know what? I'm going to go wherever I have to go. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do that might possibly give me a better quality of life. And because- that sounds familiar to a lot of people listening. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you try to find out how can I have the best quality of life? Exactly. And you've been on a journey and, you know, mm-hmm. it's been a chronic condition journey. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, I wish that nobody had this much oh craziness. It's crazy. I mean, I know people with lupus. I know people with other chronic that that mimic or look like, but they're not. And that's why you have to go to the doctor and you have to say, here's the whole story. Yep. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's not a pretty story, but can you, is there any way to help me? Because you yep. know what? It's it's really hard. And I think the problem is, is that at, like I find at work, I have an amazing boss. Kristen is the greatest human ever. And you're at and Banana Republic right now, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is part of the Gap brand. And luckily, you know, somebody will bring out a, a like a high stool for me and they'll put it right by the desk and they'll just let me sit there. Okay, that's, that doesn't happen everywhere. That's no. not goes on everywhere. Yeah, you're very but fortunate. It at my store because they understand my level of pain and they understand all the things that are wrong with me. And they appreciate when they order pizza for everybody that they have to order the cauliflower pizza from CPK because I can't have gluten because gluten is known to affect your fibromyalgia. It clogs up your joints and it does all sorts of things. And I don't even remember recently somebody said it to me and I, I kind of laughed and I thought, oh, it was my psychopharmacologist. She said, you know, you shouldn't be eating gluten anyway. She goes, it's terrible for you. And you think to yourself, do you know what it's like not to eat gluten? Like it sucks. Like the bag of cookies I bought yesterday, they're they're the Mexican wedding cookies with the little powder, powder. on them that I yeah. love. Five dollars for a, like, there were like this many. Like I couldn't <laughs> eat them in one sitting. Okay. But you Here's know four else? cookies, right? Here's Except, four to six right. cookies. You have to look at the, the size, the, the portion size. But you know what it is? It's that that junks up your, all, all of y- y- your joints. And even like the, I went to a hand specialist because where's daddy when you really freaking need him? Yeah. Um, I have a- um, We miss him. We I miss have, him. Yeah. I have a terrible um, bump on my hand. And he goes, oh, that's not even big enough for me to touch. He goes, eh, I'll see you later. He goes, yes, your hands have um, osteoarthritis. And yeah, I bet you they hurt really bad, but eh, it's we're not like at that point yet. And you think to yourself, like, we're not at that point. What point is it? Like, when is it? <laughs> when I'm crying hysterically? Because I've already had that point. But I understand what he's saying. He's saying what my father would have said, which is it's not bad enough to remove yet. And you have cream for your hands and you can take this and, and bye, see you when they hurt worse. And you're like, what? But that's the truth because you have to deal with the biggest problem first. And really for me, that's mostly digestive. Okay. 
in, in ways it's mostly digestive because um like a while back you know I remember eating um oh I always thought that you know quinoa is so great fabulous high in protein yay 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 not for me because my colon which doesn't work can't break it down so what does it do with it it just sits in my intestine and it's horrible and so you think to yourself okay so here's a food that's supposed to be so good for you I can't eat that I have a list of foods my sister has seen it I was given <laughs> it by the people at Mayo and I always think to myself there's more foods that I can't eat than I can eat because that's how it works. That's just the sucky part of it. And so you learn what works, what doesn't, you know, I started making quinoa salads at one point and then I realized they were making me sick. Oh my goodness. I went, how is that? That something healthy makes you sick, but that's fibromyalgia. Those are the things that you say to yourself, this is when it really is horrible. Like, you know, and you can't have, you know, there's certain vegetables you can't have. So, you know, I can have certain berries. So I go to the best place to buy like big, sometimes it's Costco, and I get a big container of berries every week and I get blueberries and strawberries and I cut them all up and I put them in a container and that's what I eat. So, you know, I can't have an apple with a skin, skin on it. Yeah. So you have to say to yourself, okay, so so then realize I can't have an apple. Okay. And I'm having a diabetic attack at, at a store the other day. And so I I buy myself um like a, like a thing of uh, cinnamon buns because I'm like, I want sugar. So I get it. And then what happens after? that and then I crash and then I have to get protein into me. So it's a, everything is a process. And the problem is, is that sometimes people look at you and it depends upon the kind of person they are. My bet, one of my best girlfriends has um, Crohn's and so she understands, but the average person, they don't understand. They don't well, get it. And right, Amy, it's invisible. And so people don't think, and I don't, I never think that they do it on purpose. I think no, that most, just, most people no. just don't think that things through before they open their mouth. It's grandma taught us, you know, be careful because anything you let out is out. Yeah. Cannot take it it back. Cannot take it back. back. She always said it and she always said it and she was right. And that's why if you don't understand something, yeah, but don't assume because you know what, you know, I mean, when I go to physical therapy and I can't roll over on the, on the table, they understand why, but the average person, no, they don't understand why. And I get it. I get it. And you know what? Um, I think that the, I think that the biggest thing to learn about invisible illnesses is that they are invisible. So yeah. you don't know what someone else is going through. You have no concept of what someone else is going through and you should show them empathy, but you, you may not be able to. Some people are not empathetic people. I have a few of them in my life, but it it's something that you have to remember affects everything that they do. Everything that goes on in their life is affected by this chronic illness that, you know, and and I have chronic pain from, from a shoulder replacement. I have another shoulder that was done and I have a fusion in my back. I have chronic pain. I can't take strong medication because of my stomach. Yeah, that means so no I, Motrin, but let's stop. That means no Motrin, no Advil, no Aleve because and I can't those are very that. hard. They're very right. hard on our stomachs. Yeah, yeah they, can cause, I, they can cause, you know, uh, yes. ulcers. They can cause ulcers. They'll aggravate your GERD. Um, and the reason I also don't take them is people do not know this. It's a very little known thing. They break through a lot of psychotropic medications. Okay. So I take three psychotropic medications because I have bipolar mania, which um, was not diagnosed until our father got sick and lost his memory and became a whole other human. And, um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because what people don't realize is when you can only take a form of Tylenol or a form of, you know, muscle relaxant, that's not going to 
going to stop the pain. It's going to, it's going to make it better, but it's not going to stop it. And so, you know, that's why the, the term an invisible illness, yes, it's invisible to you when you look at me, but that doesn't change what I'm going through every single day. I mean, my doctor and I were talking about my, about my shape. A tremor. Okay. They call it a central tremor, an essential tremor. And she looked at me and I was sitting in front of her and, and my leg was shaking and she goes, oh, it's there too. And I said, oh, it's everywhere. Who are you kidding? And she said, is it worse? Is it better? I said, it's a little worse. She goes, okay. She goes, but, but then you have to make a choice. If you take away the medication that causes the tremor, then what is your life like? Because yeah. what does that medicine do? And what do you need it to do that you can function? So you have to say to yourself, and the tremor is not so bad. Yeah. I'll take In the big picture. In the big picture. In the big picture. And that's what you have to look at. And that was what I liked about Mayo was that they gave you this calendar of each day that said, there are certain things that you should be doing for yourself each day to make your life any, any way better than it was before you came here. And they gave you a ton of information. And I felt like they look at really the whole person. It was that whole whole centered care. But I wanted to share Amy's journey because I thought it was really important to um, see that people have lots to handle in their lifetimes. And you can either get angry or you can take action. And Amy's chosen to take action. It's a waste of energy. Yeah, it really is. You need that energy to fight pain. So Amy, how do you handle um, exercise for you? Do you do do yoga? Do you do Tai Chi or Qigong or I think you know me well enough to know that yoga and I so much like the greatest thing. Um, (laughs) But I, it's a little too quiet in there for me. Um, (laughs) She's not going to restorative yoga. No. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it would be really good for her system. Right. I've always been a walker. Um, I walked the breast cancer three days, three different times. And once I walked that, I really became a walker. Um, And having a dog is also the best because it forces you to walk. And you know what? Sometimes you need somebody to say, get up off the couch and you got to go do something. (laughs) I have a best friend who um, is very into physical fitness. And um, he will often say to me, are you coming to the gym with me? And if I go to the gym right now, actually the knock on the door was my knee brace. So excited about my new knee brace. You would think it was a gallon of ice. It's not. (laughs) But it's almost as good because you know what <laughs> that I need in order to walk. And so, um, you know, there are things that I try to always walk, but it was interesting when I went to the gym recently to join this gym, the guy who took care of me and like set me up, he was great because he said, there's things that you cannot do in this gym because they will hurt your body. Okay. And he showed me and he was great. And, um, you know, it was really nice to have somebody who clearly knew about, you know, chronic illnesses and fibromyalgia and said, you know, you can do anything that you is your own weight to work against, but you can't do anything where it's an actual weight because there's certain things that you don't want to cause aggravation to and your joints, you know, they, you don't want to aggravate your joints and you don't want to do that. So, you know, I'm, I'm usually on either the treadmill or the elliptical. Those are my two favorites. Um, and I always walk through the day. I don't think there's ever a day I don't hit 10,000 steps, um, which living in New York, that's easy. Yes. Living for me. in Michigan. Yes. Right. It's very different because people forget that there are still many cities in this country where people don't walk. And if you don't make the actual effort to do it. So in the morning, what I do is I come out, I take the dog out I come back and I lay on my floor and I do my stretches because if I want to be able to actually like move or get dressed, getting dressed is a project. Like people don't know that getting dressed is a project. I have to hold on to something or sit down because if not, I will follow. And my sister knows I've had 
three falls this year. Um, and I'm now having surgery on my back because of one of them. Um, that was outside. That was outside. That, yeah, that was again weather. Weather created actually, that one. I actually broke my butt. That so <laughs> cre- created that was created by bad weather and slipping, and exactly. you hit and that. I turned, that around, exactly. I turned around and I both my feet went out from under me, and I was flat on my back. And you know what? I'm going to tell you exactly what I said to myself. Okay, you can cry, sure, or you can get up. And I stopped for a minute, and I had that one brief moment of pity, and then thank God my bumper was right next to me, and I got up. <laughs> but people don't realize that our lives are so different because we have to be aware. Like one of the times I fell, I fell on my dog's ball toy and I went right into the wall in the kitchen and man, did it hurt. And I'll tell you something. I tore open a wound that had just healed. So now I have a really pretty scar because you scar really bad when you have fibromyalgia. Okay. Most please tell do. me that ball is gone, right? Yeah. Uh, no, he still has it, but we put it up whenever we like are walking around. I put okay, it good. up. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I've learned to put it up, but you know what it is? It's, um, it's an interesting thing because like people don't realize things like scarring and things like the distended, like, you know, when I looked for a dress for my daughter's wedding, it was very difficult for me, very difficult. And I felt like I didn't look pretty in anything and I knew what I wanted and I couldn't find it. And then I finally found it and I'd already bought two dresses and you know, hey. because, because you're, because your stomach is distended, you have to work around that and you have to find a dress that, that accentuates other things. And people think, well, how does fibromyalgia affect like, well, of course it affects it. I mean, it affects finding pants. I can't wear jeans with the butt because it digs into my abdomen. And people like, they kind of look at you like, I would have never thought of that. No, you wouldn't because you've never had the distension that I've had. So you don't know that a button on your belly would not be comfortable. It's not a comfortable feeling. And so you have to think about all of those things and say to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to have to adjust. And you do, you adjust. I mean, there's no other option because I'm, I'm, I promised my daughter that I would be her, her nightmare. I promised her that when she was 18 and she said, why would you do that? I said, well, first of all, I don't sleep at night anyway. So what's the difference? And second of all, if I have the opportunity to hold my grandchild in the dark all night long, I'm all in, I'm (laughs) all in. And you know what? If I'm tired all day, I'll take a nap. But the thought of being there for her in that way, because she's a sleeper, man. She like needs a night's sleep or she's nap. So I'll tell you, <laughs> the thought of sitting all night and holding my grandchild every time they have to they have to eat, I'm, I'm in. Because you know what? That's kind of an advantage of having fibromyalgia and you don't sleep. That and menopause, they say. But, you know, <laughs> people forget. So yeah, I have everything I have. And then I also have like menopause. Like who needed that? Like that's oh. a dumb thing. You know, we all, every woman says we need a button. Yeah. Turn out, done, gone. But see, that's why it's it's so complicated. It's not, it's, it's not. It's not one, one thing or the other. It's right. a number of things. Right. It's a number of things. And if you look, I'll tell you one of the best places to look. You can go on Google. And if you Google the map for fibromyalgia, it will show you a person and then it will show you all the different conditions and you'll be shocked. And no, we all don't have all of them. And some of us have some of them. And and you know what? We say to ourselves every day, I can do this. I can sure. do this. I can do this because I have to. And because I'm not going to. And I always, I always say this to myself. And it was kind of something that my grandmother said because she had a lot of loss in her life. And she always kind of said that you can choose to be happy or you can choose not to. And I sort of translated it to you can lay down and die or you can stand up and live. And that's what I go by. And it's true. I could I could just lay right down in my bed right now and never get up out of bed, <laughs> which sounds lovely many times. And there are days that are spent like 
that. And I won't lie. There are days that are spent in bed. And you know what? That's when I'm worn out and I've expended any ounce of energy that I have. But then you have to realize the next day, it's time to get up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I use those times to reboot. Don't That's you? what I always say. Yeah. I reboot. That it's very similar when you're exhausted. Yeah. Yep. When you're, when you get your infusions and, yep. and you're exhausted and you feel like you can't move and you say to yourself, okay, I got one day to like have a pity party. And then when the pity party's over, up and onward. And it's, and sometimes it goes longer and, you know, oh yeah, why we're still working on, you know, what happened that our mother at 80 got right. myasthenia gravis. So and it's very late. And it's also my neurologist uh, explained to me, it is more serious than MS or fibromyalgia because you because, could literally right. be you're chewing right. because you're, yeah. And also you could literally be chewing and your jaw stops like working. Yes. Yes. And it's very scary. And, oh, it's very scary. And, you know, losing our mother and watching somebody who went to yoga at least two times a week, oh my went to the museum, saw her friends, went out for meals, did as much as possible and had a very, very super full, full life. life. Super a, full yeah. life. She even you know, moved out to, to Denver. And she, she did. Up that, but you know what? She did that, that thing. Do you remember when she used to talk about moving to like Santa Fe or New Mexico? That was also a dream of hers. Yes. When yeah. daddy and I, they when daddy was alive and they were young, she always said, I always wanted to move to like Santa Fe or, you know, and, and I remember her always saying that. And I thought, you know what? Good for her. And we told this to a, we told this to a, uh, a, uh, the waitress last night, she came up and she goes, you guys were talking about something really serious. And I said, we were actually talking about the fact that everyone should move away at some point in their life. You can come back, but you should move away because you should learn that there are totally different things in the world and that those things and those people and that atmosphere and that city can teach you a lot. And it's really good for you. And she said, oh, cause I'm moving to Houston. And I said, oh my God, that's amazing. I know two people who have moved to Texas. And I said, because it, it teaches you to be an adult in a different way. Your family isn't right next to you. They can't save your butt every second. So you're going to have to figure it out. And that's the thing is even when you have a chronic illness or you don't, you have to figure out how to manage yourself, how to, how to control your world in such a way that you can function within it. And that may be easier or harder than you think it is, but trust me, doing it not here and maybe somewhere far away, even more so teaches you the lesson of learning who you are and what your strengths are. And because I'll tell you, there are times at work where my boss always says, why do you always do the garbage? You always do, let somebody else do the garbage. I go, the habit, like it's a habit. Like I'm a cleanup person. Like that's who I am. She's like, but it's bad for your back. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. And I shouldn't do it. But she's like, tell somebody else to. But you know what the problem is? Learning how to delegate those issues and delegate them versus doing them yourself which as we all know, you know, depending on how you were raised, you can be the type of person who feels the need to control things. And so you do, but you can't control the illness. So you control everything else. Listen, I have, right. I, you know, your sister got married a couple of years ago. I have a husband who takes out the garbage, who, who does that, who helps me bring down the laundry. That's really heavy. And isn't that like the nicest thing? Like, but you also have to learn how to accept accept help. The help. Right. And that's a hard, Thing. And also ask sometimes because right. sometimes we just are too exhausted. You We're know? way too um, exhausted. And you know what? It's also not something that we talk about 
a great deal. Um, no, it's not no. people learning with, to accept the help is very hard for very most much people. So. Very much so. Especially for someone like you who was single for a long time. Oh my and goodness. Who <laughs> took care of yourself all the time. And you know, I mean, I I was married for a very you married in your 20s. Yeah, you were married right. in your 20s. So. And but I lived with someone who didn't necessarily always offer to help, and I wasn't an asker. I'm not yeah. an asker, it's not yeah. who I am. I'll yeah. just do it myself. Thank you very much. Yes. And that also is not helpful, especially with chronic conditions. Sure. You have to learn to ask for help because you know what? It's not a contest. (laughs) It's not a contest of who's going to fall down first. Because if that's the contest, I will win. Yes. For sure, I will win. Yes. I mean, you have to realize that any type of illness where you need help, you need to learn to ask for help because there's nothing embarrassing or shameful or anything about asking for help. Because you know what? That's why you have family and friends. And that's why you ask for help. And you know what? It's it's not an easy thing for most people. Um, I I became a creature of habit when I was married, and I just did it myself. I just did it myself. That's what I did. I'd go out to the garden for four hours, and I'd come inside. I'd be beet red, which also <laughs> is also a trait of fibromyalgia. Um, you don't distribute heat or cold correctly, so it all come out my face. Mm. And my ex husband would say, "Did you need some help out there?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, that was like three hours ago." So if you want to go out and like pick up all the stuff that I threw on the ground, you. You know, people don't realize it's hard to ask for help. Sure. You want to do it yourself. You want to be able to do it yourself. And you know what the reality is? It's okay if you can't. Nobody can do everything all the time. Sure, sure. And you, you just can't. And and so once you learn that there's help out there, and there's not really anybody that I've ever asked, like, um, I'm terrified of escalators. My sister She's been why. terrified for escalators and clowns. Escalators okay, yeah. and clowns, just and not like escalators. escalators. Right. And the escalators, because when I was very young, I was with my mother at a mall in Metro Detroit and I, my shoelace got caught and I fell down. It was Christmas time. So everybody was very, very nice. scary. Yes, yes. But very scary. And then we were in Holland and my brother, of course, being my brother, because that's him. That's, he was yeah. like, they can't run up the down escalator. Oh yeah. There goes Amy trying to run up the down. You know, I ripped open my knees. I heard my you know, so I'm not an escalator and you can see it on my face when I get, everyone can see it. Like I watch women with strollers and I'm like, I have no idea how you're doing that (laughs) because I would for sure drop my kid and me down the escalator and people can see it on me. And people will say to me, do do you need help? And literally the staff that I work with knows me so well. They're like, you're not taking one box. I'll take the boxes and put them in your car because they know I'm afraid of falling. And me too, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. Well, because of your leg, because of your leg. I have have drop foot and with drop foot, you know, it's an imbalance and vertigo. That's why I can't work in retail because I, in small, narrow spaces, I get to start to feel like I'm off and it's very strange. Yeah. And that's why people don't realize it's okay to accept help. It it is. Okay. Because you know what? When the people at work like wrapped the boxes with tape when I was moving and they brought them all down for me, I I don't know how I would have gotten them down because I would have freaked out at the top of the escalator. Mm. And that's why when those, when that imbalance comes in and I'm off center, sort of the way that my sister is, because one of my legs is shorter than the other because of my back. So because of my back, people don't realize that there may be a background story that you know nothing about. And, sure. you know, I think that was also something that, that you never know what anybody's fighting. Just and fighting. everybody's going through things, whether it's yep. them, somebody they love or friends. 
friends, right? Or even coworkers, correct? Yes. Everybody has some battle that they're fighting that you know nothing about. And you know what? That's when you say to yourself, everybody deserves the most kindness I can give them because you know what? You don't know what their story is. And the reality is they don't know your story. So no, it works both don't. ways. Works both ways. So they don't know that you slept three hours left. And they don't know that you dropped, that you broke both of your glass water bottle in the fridge because you dropped both. They don't know any of those things because your hands don't work the right way. Yeah. People don't know that. And you know what? It's not their job to know it. It's your job to be polite. And if you need help, say, can you just do me a favor? I just need like an arm to get on the escalator. And you know what? I think you'll find, and I know I found this to be very true. Most people are very kind. They really are. People yeah. are not terrible by instinct. No, They're usually kind by instinct. They really, I think they really are. And they'll help you out. And that's why I think people with invisible illnesses where they don't know what to do with themselves, they need to learn to ask and say, I need some help because I can't, can't do it. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. You didn't ask for this illness. You didn't go to the illness bucket and go, see what I pick out. For me, (laughs) I'll pick out 30 different things. And, um, you know, I mean, that'll be like fun. Like I'll go to doctors all the time and yeah, it'll be great. No, no, nobody picks that. As, as the old saying is, if there was a basket and you were to pick out your problem or someone else's, you'd pick out yours because at least you're familiar with them. Sure. Sure. Right. And, and you, you know, know how to deal. How have your how have your daughters um, experienced your invisible illnesses and learning how they handle things? Can well, you talk about one, that? Yeah, one of them one of them is much more like their father, so she's less compassionate. Um, but she understands it and she believes that it exists, and she doesn't she doesn't you know you know say to me no, it doesn't exist. The other one I would definitely say is much more compassionate, um, probably because she works with children mm. and she has a different level of compassion. And she, um, she definitely gets it. Um, and I think that when I, when I found out that I had to have surgery again after her wedding, you know, she was like, oh my God, I can't believe you have to have another surgery. And I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> welcome to my world. And, you know, I go to a very conservative surgeon and everyone who knows him in the city will say he's very conservative. He will do everything before he, cu- before he cuts. Everything. Which by the way, is the best type of surgeon. Yes. Especially for you want them orthopedics. Tr- yeah. You want them to do epidurals, which I've had 10,000 of. You want them to try something called intercept, which is where they burn out the center of your um, vertebrae to kill the nerves in it. Um, you know, they try PT. You know, he's a very conservative one. There are people who the first, second they meet you, they're ready to cut. That should not be someone that you want. You and want always get to- a second opinion. And maybe if they- always. Uh, and I, my, Michelle will say that. I will say that. You know what? If it costs you a $40 copay, it's well worth the money because you want to know that you're not like where I'm having the surgery is right above where my last surgery was. And there's a reason why when you fuse two together, they get very hard and they Mm. become like a rock. And then what's above it doesn't have the agility that it used to have. So if you fall, it's not going to move like it used to move and it's going to have damage. And in my case, it has, when I looked at the, the CT and I see this giant fat black like thing in between my vertebrae, that's where the 
damage it. So you want a surgeon who tries everything before. And and you know what? What I've learned is people will try to understand what you're going through. They may not be able to. There are people in this world who just, they just don't understand it. And you know what? I they don't have I, to. I can't fix everybody. I'm no. just trying to fix me. And that's just, that's just the damn truth. I cannot change the perception of other people. I have chronic migraine. I was at work one night. I didn't have a migraine pill. Now, really, whose fault is that? Mine. <laughs> it's mine. I'm not going to lie. It's mine. I had to go home. It was mine. But the point being, you have to be responsible for you. Yes. Nobody else is going to take care of you, but you. And, and that's, that's, and that's not a bad thing. It just is no, a thing, truth. you know? Right. And but it's what thankfully all of these um, conditions have been uh, noted and uh, addressed, right. and you know we have history with um, with mental health in our family, and we, we lost we lost way our back. aunt. It and, goes way back. Yeah, and so when you learn these things, you start to put the pieces of the right. puzzle together, and you that is that. important. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you start to feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. Right. Because when you have a history in the family of, let's say, cholesterol and triglycerides, you can go, oh, it's not like I like programmed my body to do this. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that, you know, we have a father and a mother who had a stint in. So she wasn't, she wasn't the innocent party there, although she would say she was, but <laughs> she would tell us. She oh, was she was so sure. healthy. She was. I mean, you know, oh my but, God, she was but beyond his, right. But family history remember? is family history, but family history is family right, history. Family that's our point. Family history is family history. You cannot deny it. You cannot pretend it is there. And you cannot act like what happened didn't happen. Because you know what? Unfortunately, what happened happened. And you have to address that mental illness because you don't want to be the next victim of mental illness. And mental illness and depression are part of fibromyalgia's picture because it affects your brain. It affects your how everything crosses. And when everything doesn't cross right, that's when you have issues. And also, you know, being a victim, we make choices of being a victim. And, you know, you and I um, know that sometimes you handle that. I didn't handle MS very well at the beginning at all. No. And I felt, but, but I felt like I. Away from yeah, your parents. Yes. And also and, I had and, so many things that happened due to stress that sort of right. got kicked up and snowballed. And we're learning more, you know, what MS, they really feel very strongly that Epstein-Barr, the kissing disease, has something to do with a virus right. that's in over 90% of us around the world of right. having that. And so what got kicked off? We don't know what got kicked off because of grass. You know what I mean? And so yeah. you sort of just laugh because you go, oh, okay. These are little things that happen, but right. who knew? I mean, who And it's who the knew? little things that add up. Yeah. That's why you look at like a picture of a fibromyalgia person right. on a map, you'll see all the things that affect us. Right. And I don't have all the things. I've some of the things, but then I have other things because of my family that sure. are there too. So you have to remember that it's not so limited to, you know, just those things. It can be other things as well. And so you have to realize that, you know, you have to look at it and say, okay, I'm going to challenge each thing one at a time and see what I can do about it. And 
And that's, that's, that's your challenge is take each thing one at a time and learn how to live with it. You know, I keep in my phone, the list of foods I can and cannot have, you know, I keep in my phone, the things that trigger migraine. I've gone into freezers at restaurants to read ingredients to find out if it's going to be great. Sure. Yeah. That's being conscious and aware of what you can control. And we do that. And, you know, that's, that's where we are. You learn to shift and pivot and, you know, those are the things that we can talk about that um, body, human body uh, yeah. illustration that's, that uh, Amy's yeah. talking about, which are um, medical infographics. They're called infographics, which is kind of cool. Yeah, infographics. And those of you out there may have seen them. They're for a lot of different conditions. And we're very, very lucky that we have those because as you heard, you know, I hear my sister and it's almost like she feels like I could have had a V8 on that one. I really, when I saw that, a lot of pieces were put together, right? Oh yeah. 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 You do. And you start to realize that they're all related and that it's because of fibromyalgia that they're all related. And so you're like, oh, that makes sense now. Oh, that makes sense now. Oh, that makes sense now. Yeah. Because yeah. because yeah. you have to look at it all and say to yourself, you know, does it all have something to do with this or, or is this separate? Is this something that, because my back began when I danced and when I did gymnastics yes. and that's yes. when I developed a slip disc, um, which they call a spondylolisthesis. And eventually, they know that they will have to use that because it will move as the years go by. It will shift over. Um, my um, orthopedic surgeon, who who uh, is a very longtime family friend of ours, he had the same exact surgery as me 10 years before me um, because he had the same exact problem. So, you know, it's a very common situation, which I think in some ways makes you feel a little bit better because I think you start to realize that the situations that everybody goes through, they're, they're all kind of similar. And the reality is, is that we're all fighting the same battle, we just have to figure out if we find out, you know, trick to share them. I mean, there's a great site called The Mighty. Yes, I love The Mighty. I love The Mighty. There, you learn things on The Mighty that you're like, oh my God, I never even knew that. And it talks to all sorts of chronic illnesses. And I have to tell you, you will learn things from other people that you're like, huh? That? Really? That? It puts things things in perspective. And I think that that's what you and I have probably learned the most is you put things in perspective. TheMighty.com, M-I-G-H hty.com if you sign up for their newsletters yes. and things you could also sign up Very. for different conditions and yep. it's great to be able to join a community you know you're looking for you're staying away from i should say the negative nancys and the doubting debbies oh, yeah, so much okay the and the karens and the karens yes and the new and you know what it is those people will talk you right down the rabbit hole right down the rabbit hole uh-huh. and that's the thing you have to stay out of the rabbit hole Stay out of the rabbit hole and just find your smile and do your best and know that you're not alone. None of us are alone. All of us in this situation, there's so many of us. That's why things like the mighty are so great. Yeah. So you guys, you understand why I really wanted to have my sister on because she has such a positive outlook and she takes life. um, I I feel very fortunate that I think both of us live in a glass half full Mm -hmm. and that our mother really always did that. Our father did too. The glass is always Mm -hmm. half full, not half empty. Mm -hmm. And we've learned a great deal about living life to the fullest. With chronic conditions, you have some limitations. 
They didn't say you couldn't do things. They said they may shift and they may look different. Right. So I want to you know, encourage everyone out there to find out as much as you can, to have your family join you, to have your friends come to appointments if you think they need another perspective. My mm-hmm. husband comes with me to neurology appointments because he can shed light on things to right. the neurologist. Exactly. And it's very, very helpful. And when you're looking for information, make sure that you're out there. You can go to my website for more ideas of mjwellnessnavigator.com to look for any helpful things. I always encourage you to drop me a line and tell me if there's something you'd like to talk about or hear about more so. And that's important. But live your life. Have a great day. And Amy, enjoy the weather in Michigan. And I Oh, it's beautiful. Good. And we have nice weather here in New York. And we're moving along because yeah. that's what you do. You put one you can't foot. can't give up. You got right. two choices. Right. Lay you down, put, die, stand up and live. And right. I'll just take the stand up and live choice. Yeah. My think, yeah. Right. And I think you have too much to live. So that is you know, true. Right. Yeah, so that is, we that have is. exciting things coming up. Yeah. And I'm sure out there you have things that you're waiting to happen. Babies being born and people getting married and all the wonderful things that happen right. to us in our lives. You know, getting yeah. a job, getting a new degree. Yeah. And I want to encourage people with chronic conditions to keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And going you know, out there. Yep. And, and you know, it's funny, but we talk about all this, then we have to say to ourselves, what are the realities? The realities are things like I have a letter in my file that says how many hours a week I can work because okay. I can't more than that. So I have to protect myself yes. and I have to make sure that I am looking out for me because you have to. So when you do that, you give yourself the opportunity not only to work the job, but to know that it's not going to take over and destroy you. It's going to allow you to enjoy it and do what you want to do with it and be successful at it while still saying, okay, but understand I have a limitation and that's okay. It's okay. Everybody has limitations, whether they want to admit it or not. They do. They do. They all have. Well, enjoy your day out there and know that, you know, we're here at uh, this radio show to empower women to live their best lives. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you next week with another very interesting interviewer, um, interviewee. And uh, I hope I'm bringing you more information and that my sister shed some light on a number of things that sometimes you're hit with more in your bucket than less. Thank yeah. you and have a wonderful Thank day. You. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thank you.